in the 16th chapter of the book of John, we have a message that will fill your hearts and bless you in a very special way. Always keep in mind that the last, the last uh, 21 chapters, I mean, the last chapters of the book of John, which is the last one is 21, uh, I would have to say from about and even before the 7th or 8th chapter of the book of John, we have already moved into the last week of the life of Jesus. John specializes in his gospel in the last week. And the specialization has to do with the fact that this is the apostle with the divine revelation. Well, they all had divine revelation. But in particular, John, even the time schedule for John is quite interesting. Every other gospel, including the writings of Paul, were just about given, completed, and thoroughly taken care of by the year 40. Everything is given. And uh, the letters have been written, and they've been passed around to the churches. And yet in the year 90, we get the Apostle John's work. It's quite interesting. Of the apostles, he was the youngest. And Jesus said about him that, what if I should want him to live uh, more than all the others? And some of the apostles interpret that, that he would be eternal. In other words, that he wouldn't die. And Jesus says, no, that doesn't mean that. It just means that I've chosen him for a very special purpose. While each gospel gives us an emphasis, the gospel of Matthew wants to prove to the Jews that Jesus is Messiah. The gospel of Mark wants to prove to the Romans that he is the greatest conqueror the world has ever known. The Gospel of Luke wants to prove that he's the perfect man with the perfect philosophy, and he is God. Well, they all did, and they all made their emphasis. When it comes to John, it's quite different. John starts off by telling us that in the beginning it was God, and it was, uh, and from the beginning, all the things that we have were literally made by him. Let me, let me give it to you in this version. Before the world was created, the world, I'm sorry, before the world was created, the word Jesus already existed. He was with God and he was the same as God. From the very beginning, the word was with God. And through him, God made all things. Not one thing in all creation was made without him. The word was the source of life. And this life brought light to mankind, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has never put it out. I love that. And the darkness has never put it out. Thank you. And so the scripture today is in the book of John, keeping this in mind and keeping how well John does prepare uh, us in this gospel for the end times. Uh, in this 16th chapter, listen to what it says. I've told you this so that you will not give up your faith. Uh, 
you will be expelled from the synagogues and the time will come when anyone who kills you will think he's will think that by doing this he is serving God people will do these things to you because they have not known either the father or me but I have told you this so that when the time comes for them to do these things you will remember what I told you now I did not tell you these things at the beginning for I was with you but now I am going to him who sent me yet none of you ask me where I am going why didn't he tell them from the very beginning why didn't he warn them why didn't he set them up because he was with them what does that mean it simply means he was there to protect them he was there to cover them he was there to see them through and this is important that we know it he was there with them and he says and now that I have told you your hearts are full of sadness but I'm telling you the truth it is better for you that I go away because if I do go the helper but if I do not go the helper will not come to you but if I do go away then I will send him to you and when he comes he will prove to the people of the world what they are wrong that they are wrong about sin and about what is right and about God's judgment let's take that just one step at a time and say first of all uh, two Sundays ago we celebrated uh, the coming not the coming but the descent of the Holy Spirit it's called the Sunday of Pentecost that's two weeks ago and it's the the Jewish feast that was celebrated and it was a very important feast and Jesus told them to go into the city of Jerusalem and to wait there and to wait there till they were filled with the Holy Ghost uh, uh, the Apostles wanted to know when Rome would be conquered others wanted to know when things and the wheels of progress would be put into place and Jesus says that's not important for now the important thing now is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and I will tell you it's necessary to be filled why because it's with the power of the Holy Spirit that then you will be able to go on in boldness uh, our our good usher and our dear deacon gave a witness this morning and said he thanks God that since he's been filled with the Spirit he has felt a holy boldness you know, wanting to uh, go forth and sow the seed and tell people about Jesus this is precisely right now I'm talking about Jesus preparing them uh, for confrontation Jesus preparing them for future persecution and you and I know that neat the Roman Empire uh, for the first uh, 200 years uh, the Empire's purpose was to annihilate those of the way and those of the way were those were, who were the followers of Jesus and uh, the, the every Emperor seemed to be worse than the other uh, Nero used Christians as human torches cut off their face uh, cut off their necks and uh, opened this part and then put tar in it and lit his parties and his gardens uh, and Christians became light posts uh, and you say wow I, I didn't know that well yes uh, and history not only confirms it but so do the historians that have nothing to do with the defense of Christianity they simply gave it as record they simply gave it as part of what they had seen in their day so Jesus did let them know that they would be persecuted that they'd be expelled from the synagogues uh, and that if anybody put them to death listen to this 
they would almost feel that they were doing God a job. Now you've got to understand, and we understand that through the spirit of Saul, of Tarsus. Saul would go out and want to kill every Christian he could ever find. Why? Because he felt it was a menace to, to, to Judaism. And because of that, and since Judaism to him was the greatest thing in the world, and there was nothing equal to it, well, Saul went out killing. He was a murderer. He confesses to it. He was part of the fulfillment of this prophecy in which they said when they kill you, they'll think they're working a work for God because minds can be very sick. Minds can be very twisted. And so uh, Jesus is telling them these days will come and, uh, and they'll be very difficult days. And, and he says, not, not before because I was with you. In other words, he said, I didn't tell you these things before because I was with you. Now, what does that mean? Well, he was their protector. He was their keeper. He was their carer. He was the one watching over for them. And so it wasn't necessary to say it, but now he is leaving. Now, that's a little frightening. This is all going to happen to us and you're leaving? This is what we're to expect and you're leaving? Yes. But he says the following, I'll not leave you orphans. Oh, I love that. There's something so keen and beautiful in that. I will not leave you orphans. One thing God provides and promises to everyone that believes in him and everyone that trusts in him is that they won't be left alone. They won't be left alone. And I thank God. Whatever you go through, there's God. There is God. And the beautiful thing is that you don't need a ravaging faith. You don't, you're not jumping up and down in the bed and saying, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, hey, God's with me, ho, ho. No, it's not that. Matter of fact, there are moments of belief mixed with unbelief. And those are the moments that are most difficult. Yeah, when your spirit inside says, yes, God's going to see me through. But when everything that has to do with life says, no, it's not going to be that easy. So there is a battle. There is a shifting. There is a situation. And it's very normal to our faith. Always remember that. Because some people think because... Because they don't, they don't see the victory. Because they don't see themselves coming out of a problem. Because they get, like, it's not true. Like, what is this? No. Faith has moments like that. Faith has moments like that. And if you're having those moments, just hang in there. Steady. Slow as she goes. And you simply say, God, you're going to help me. You're going to see me through. You're able to do it. And he will. He will. So understand, accept, receive from God that there will be moments of like in and out. There will be moments of yes and no. Because, I, you know, I hear some people talk and I laugh. Oh, no, when you have faith, it's steady, it's strong, it's there. I, I walk away because they make me a little nervous. You know what I mean? And I'm not in the mood to fight. I'm too old to fight. Uh, I just walk away. Why? Because I happen to know that faith, like everything else, there's a process of growth. The script, but the beautiful thing about faith is no matter how small it is, it's powerful. It can tell a tree to go into the middle of the ocean. You say, that's figuratively. No, if you've got enough faith, you'll see it happen. Hallelujah. If you've got enough faith, you'll see it happen. Yes, it is figuratively in the sense of the power faith has. But it is real in the sense that it was confirmed. And Jesus was the one that said it, 17th chapter of the book of Luke. What did he say? All you need is just a little bit of faith. Just a little bit of faith, and I like that, because some people talk about their big faith, their large faith, 
I can't talk about that. Sometimes I think mine is, uh, you know, like every morning I wake up and, and you kind of touch to see if you're alive. I kind of put myself in touch to see if I still have faith. You say, oh, pastor, don't talk to us like that. What can I tell you? What can I tell you? What can I tell you? Are my battles not your battles? Are your battles not my battles? Yes, they are. The only thing is, the deeper you get into the word, the quicker you come out of the stupor. That's all. That's all. It's just a matter of being able to come out a little faster. And the faster you get into the word, the quicker you'll be able to come out of most of your stupor. Now, Jesus promised them that it's going to be difficult days. There's going to be difficult situations. But what did he say? I will provide a helper. And this is what I love. When he says, verse 7, but I, I am telling you the truth. It's better for you that I go away. It's better for you that I go away. How could it be better for him to go away? He opens blind eyes. He makes the lame to walk. He's a miraculous savior. He's been with them and he's blessed them. Uh, they've eaten bread that's been multiplied for thousands, just a little basket of fish and bread. Uh, they've slept in the best places and they've, dre they've had the best clothing. How could it be better without him? And he says, but I'm telling you the truth. It's better for you that I go away because if I do not go, if I do not go, the helper will not come to you. I love divine order. We don't have much order. Isn't it amazing how you can set a, a, a pace in your house? From now on, everything is like this. How long does it last? I don't know in your house. I don't usually have 24 hours of uh, victory. You know, that, it's, it's a brand new start. No, 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 no. It, it doesn't. But listen, listen to what the word said. If I do not go, the helper will not come to you. What is this all about? I like you to think in terms of God the Father, in terms of creation, in terms of all the marvelous things, whether we've done. And always remember this and keep this in mind. It's a spirit talking to people with spirit but with flesh and blood. So God's revelations have to be in the terminology that we can understand. If a spirit flipped through here, I would not know. I do not know. I am not a connoisseur in spirits, neither good nor bad. There's not, not much a spirit could teach me other than influence me toward the evil because that's what Satan does. So I don't know. But I want you to think of divine order. God the Father, the mighty creation, creator, and by his side the Son and the Holy Spirit. And together they're making, and they have made, this world. And whether we like it or not, it's like a world without end. Amen. Because we are the eternal spirits he has placed. And he has given us of his spirit. And we can only understand God in a very simple way is by understanding a little bit about ourselves. Uh, we have all the, the natural trappings. We have all the human trappings. Uh, we have all the mental trappings. Uh, uh, we have everything that has to do with life and what, how you live it here on the face of the earth. But I got news for you. Within you and within me, he blew his spirit. He gave us a touch of heaven. That's why somewhere down deep in our hearts and in our lives, uh, there's a thing called conscience, and you don't even know where you got it from. You don't know if you inherited it, if, if somebody stuck you with it, or if it was a pill you swallowed or something. Where does that come from? 
the ability to think of someone superior, the ability to know that things just didn't happen if there's something beautiful. There's got to be, if there's a, if there's a perfect design, there's got to be a designer. If there's a perfect scene, there's got to be a creator. And thank God, because within each man is a touch of heaven above, touch of God. And that's what makes you yearn and cry for God. You say, I don't yearn and I don't cry. Yes, you do. With whatever you're into, you're yearning and crying. Whichever road you're walking down, you're yearning and crying. Oh, yes. Some people say, no, I'm really not into not the religious scene, please. No, not the religious scene. But whatever scene you're into, you're down walking and you're searching and you're wondering. And then you grasp at any straw that goes by. And you know that's true. But that's okay. We go on to know the truth in God's word. But if I do go away, then I'll send him to you. What is the divine order? The Father in heaven, the Son that came to reveal the Father, and now the Spirit that will tell us all about the, the Son. What perfect order. No one in anybody's way. Everyone doing what they have to do. Doing it perfectly. Yeah, have, you, have you ever had a command post in your house? Have you ever told the kids, you do this, you do that, you do this, you do that? And within a week, nobody knows what they're doing, and personally, nobody is doing it. And then somebody says, no, you told me to do that. No, she told me to do it. Uh, he told, we specialize in confusion. Any amens? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We specialize in confusion. We don't know if we're coming or going half the time. But I love the divine order. Have you ever seen the seasons get mixed up? Have you ever seen the moon at night? In the daytime, rather. Have you ever seen... The inverse of whatever you do see in terms of nature, you have never seen it. Why? Because it's God's order. And God's order is perfect. And I love it. And whatever there is imperfect about God's order, it's something we've done to it. And aren't we messing it up? We've got black holes. We've got silicone holes. We've got all kind of holes. We've got water that you can hardly drink. You've got food that's got enough pesticide to send us all into coma. Do you realize that just to be alive now, you're alive by divine healing? Yes, you are. Because you should be dead with the pollution in the air, with the pollution in the water, with the pollution in our very existence. Uh, we should be dead. We shouldn't be alive. But God, by his grace, keeps us alive. And I thank the Lord for that. Now, he's promised to provide us a helper. First, I must go. Then I will send him. Now, here comes the work of this precious, precious helper. He said... Uh, uh, they are wrong. Let, let's go back to verse 8. And when he comes, and when he comes, who? The Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will prove to the people of the world that they are wrong about sin. And about what is right and about God's judgment. Hey, we've got certain things to see there. He will. He will. What? It doesn't right here in this scripture, it just simply says, and I like the way it says it. It simply says, and when he comes, he'll prove to the people of the world that they are wrong about sin. That you're wrong about sin. There are lots of things that are sin. And we're very, very comfortable with our sin. Matter of fact, we've been so comfortable with our sins that we ain't changing them. And there are people out there that, that sin 
and they think it's perfectly right. Why? Because everybody does it. That's the biggest answer you're going to get from your brand new teenager. Mommy, how can it be wrong when everybody does it? And it's a hard answer to, it's a hard question to answer. Because we do live through eye contact. We do live through what we see. And, and you almost come to the conclusion, if everybody's doing it, it's got to be right. And if it's not wrong, at least they don't think it's wrong. So you're among those that don't think it's wrong, and you don't think it's wrong. So you're comfortable with all the wrongies. No problems. But listen to this. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to show to the sinners what's wrong about sin. That's all. That's why I tell you, when you go out there, don't knock people on their sin. The person that is, is living in fornication is living in fornication. The person that is living in adultery is living in adultery. And I think they know the difference. If they're comfortable with it, well, that's a problem they'll have to deal with as soon as the Holy Spirit starts to shake up their world. Because the first thing the Holy Spirit does is simply tell you that Jesus loves you. That's the first work of the Spirit, to tell you that for all of your sins, there's forgiveness, and that the Holy Spirit loves you, and that the Holy Spirit wants to be by you, and that the Holy Spirit will bless you and keep you. This is the most important thing in the world, so keep that in mind. You know, we like to take people, and we like to sweep them clean. You don't sweep anything. I don't sweep anything. The Holy Spirit does the sweeping. Okay? He's the only one that can. Matter of fact, when you try to sweep sin out of somebody's heart, they're going to buck you all the way. I mean, listen, they're like donkeys that don't want to move and got their two back legs kicking hard. No, they don't want to hear about it. That's why Jesus says when it comes to the matter of sin, just proclaim truth. The Holy Spirit will take care of nudging at the heart. The Holy Spirit will take care of bringing forth truth into the heart. The Holy Spirit will tell us what's wrong and why sin is wrong or what is right. It's the Holy Spirit that lets us know that Jesus is Lord and Master and Savior and King. And I love that. The day you fell in love with Jesus, the day your empty heart cried out, the day you reached and you touched the hem of his garment, the day you decided you're taking a new route, you're going with God. That day was the most glorious day of your life. Oh, have we suffered since? Yes. Have we had pain since? Yes. Because it's not perfect. Because then God starts to mold his character in our lives. Uh, and our lives tend to uh, bucket. Even though we're with God. And even though we have accepted the Lord. And even though we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. So don't think you have a special covering in terms of uh, no battles. Uh, no. The only thing is you've got, an, you've got a helper within you for that battle. That's the only thing easy about that. Now what about judgment? What does he mean? Well, in this particular case, he means judgment over the works of Satan. Satan has been judged. Satan is a, a condemned enemy. He is condemned whether you, whether you accept it or not. I have problems. Remember I told you I'm going to write a book about the problems I have with God? I have problems with God. I have problems with God because I wouldn't allow Satan into my living room. Now, that bothers me. I wouldn't allow him into my living room. 
there are other things in the scripture that once again also bother me. When it comes to, to well, if he's judged, if he's condemned, well, let's get him out of here. Okay, God's going to do that too. That's what the millennium is all about. It's about people living for a thousand years in perfect harmony and peace and no devil. Guess what? When it's over, man will be the, the same failure he ever was. Why? Because it wasn't Satan, it's in us. And no matter where we go, and this is, this, you know, you remember the old joke? Uh, Flip Wilson, the devil made me do it. Yeah, well, we're going to be in a world that the devil won't make you do it. But guess what? You'll do it on your own. Although there'll be magnificence, although the lamb and the lion will lay down together, although there'll be green valleys and glorious hymns and the singing uh, uh, on the world, on the nation. Yes, there is a millennium, hey, folks. A thousand years of perfect peace in terms of no wars that are provoked by Satan. But I have news for you. When that's over, there'll still be a great judgment day. And man will still choose whether to serve God or to serve himself and his flesh. Now let's go on and let's talk. Now Satan has already been judged. I want you to keep that in mind. I want you to keep that in mind. Because somebody, like I got a call this morning from somebody on the West Coast, a young man, 4 o'clock in the morning. And I happen to know, because it was 7 o'clock here, and I said, what on earth are you calling me this early? He says, I can't sleep. I, I go to bed and I have all these kind of crazy dreams. They're more nightmares than dreams. And I just feel so discombobulated. And I didn't know who to call, so I called you. I said, thank you. <laughs> but, then it, but then I shared with him. And I was able, I woke up pretty good. And I was able to share with him. And I said, listen, young man. Much of our peace depends upon what we're putting into our, our, our machinery. Much, much of our peace depends. If, if you think you can see the filthiest movie ever given on late TV, if you think you can go to sleep and see the most violent stuff, and, and even some of those creepy things that I, I don't see, but some people love them, where an eye is gushing with, I don't know, what worms and everything else. Well, some people think that they can rest with that. All right, but I got news for you. Whatever your subconscious gets... It will bring it up. Your subconscious is like morning vomit. In the middle of the night, it comes up every... But it doesn't come up as it went down. It comes up more confusing than what it went down. And he says, "I listen, I see things above me. I see things around me. I hear voices. The house screeches. And I says, okay. What did you do before you went to bed? And he told me. I says, that's number one. What else did you do? He told me. That's number two. I said, you can't do that. Can I tell you something? And listen to me carefully. Your temple is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And after you've believed in God, watch out what you put in. Because God is willing to bless you. God is willing to keep you. God is willing to give you of his grace. But you've got to watch out what you put in. Because what you put in is like a computer. That's what you're going to get out. Computers are no magicians. They can only give what's been put in. So I share with you this day, and I said to him, I said, listen, do me a favor. You need a little discipline right now. But the last 15 minutes before you go to bed, have a pad next to your bed. And on that pad, start writing the things for which you thank God for. Do you have a roof over your head? Put it down. 
Do you have food in your refrigerator? Put that down. Do you have a good wife that's sleeping peacefully by your side? Put that down. You say, Sister Amy, you're nuts. No, I'm not. Oh, folks, we need so much Christian discipline. Yes, put it down. Write it down. I says, and then give yourself the last 10 minutes of prayer, but put the clock there. Have you ever tried to pray in the middle of the night? I just go out. I do more nodding in my middle of the night prayers. I say, Lord, I don't think you're pleased with all this nodding. Because then I wake up and I go back into it. But, but you know, I, I, and then my neck hurts and my head hurts. And, and how many times can I hurt my chin? Okay. Then I realize and I say to myself, and let me tell you, I had an answer once from God. I'd rather you this way than no way. Okay, so it just tells us that God is in touch with us. He's in touch with our weaknesses, and he's in touch with everything. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit is such a delicate one. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is such a special one. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is letting the sinner know that they're wrong. You know, that's why you can't preach condemning sermons. You've got to preach sermons that lift Jesus up. You've got to teach people the glories of Jesus. You've got to tell them what he's done in your life, who he is to you, what a great friend he is to you. Keep it up. Keep it up. It's the Holy Spirit that then, it's the Holy Spirit that then will put everything in order. So the young man had a, we had a good time, about 10 minutes. And I sent him off to bed because I think he needed a little sleep but sent him off just sharing with him. Be gentle what you give your brains. You'd never put on a pornographic flick for your 11, 12, or 13-year-old. Why do you do it for yourself? Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, whatever's wrong for you is wrong for a child. Whatever's wrong for a child is really wrong for you too. You say, no, I'm older, I can handle it. Uh, uh, Don't, don't, uh, no, I won't. Let's leave it there. Now, what else does he do? Listen to this. It says the following, and they are wrong about judgment because the ruler of this world has already been judged, and that's Satan. I have much more to tell you, but now it would be too much for you to bear. It would be too much for you to bear. Oh, I love that. I love the consciousness of Jesus in terms of his disciples. Why would it be too much for them to bear? Why? Why would it be too much for them to bear? Because they weren't prepared to bear it. They weren't ready to bear it. Then it goes on. It's too much for you to bear. When, however, here it comes. When will we be able to bear? When, however, the Spirit comes who reveals the truth about God, he will lead you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but he'll speak of what he hears and will tell you of things to come. We're talking about a Holy Spirit that will deal prophetically with us. We'll know what's coming down the pike by the good Lord. We'll know what's going to happen. Why? Because God, Jesus, will reveal it to the Son, I better said to the Holy Spirit, and we'll know what's coming down. He will give me glory. Because he will take what I said and tell it to you. All that my father has is mine. Listen to this. That is why I said that the spirit will take what I give him and tell it to you. All the father has is mine. 
and what the Spirit gets from me, he will give it to you. What on earth does that mean? Let me tell you what it means. It means that through the Holy Spirit and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will receive encouragement. We will receive words from above. We will be nurtured by truth. You know, folks, we can, I don't know about you, I can read three newspapers a day. And I don't miss a newscast. I get the 7.30 one. I get the 12 noon one. I get the night ones. And sometimes I get the 10 o'clock and then go on to the 11 o'clock. Do I have a fixation with news? I think I have. Okay, well, no problems. Everybody's got what they like. I'm particularly interested in humanity. Uh, It was about Tuesday night two weeks ago uh, when God just laid a heavy burden on my soul for, for Jacqueline Kennedy. And I prayed all day, and I prayed all night, and I woke up praying. And that next day at 10.15, she died. And I thank God. I don't know Jackie. I've never been with Jackie. I know nothing about her. But did not the Holy Spirit know her time was up, and didn't the doctors know it? And yet I got a burden to pray. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and then it was time to pray no more. And I know... Hey, listen, be in touch with God. Jackie Kennedy happens to be a very important woman, but there are a lot of unimportant people in your building that God can also touch you and say, pray for them. Because there are people you can't do anything for. There are people you can't reach out to. There are people you can't convince. But the Holy Spirit can. The Holy Spirit can. And this is what we trust. We trust God to do what we can't do. We trust God to touch, hey, I prayed for God to touch judges in their chambers to make me a very special lady before him, to make my brother a very special man before him. And didn't we have it happen? When everything seemed the worst, it happened. Why? Because the Holy Spirit can go where you can't go. The Holy Spirit can touch what you can't touch. And the Holy Spirit can operate the way you cannot operate. He is in the greatest chambers and he's in the greatest quarters and he just waits for our intercession. Isn't that marvelous? I'm thrilled. Uh, He reveals the truth about God. He leads us into truth uh, and then he tells us of the things to come, uh, the prophetic issues. Hey, folks, I don't want you to get mixed up in anybody's crazy things. I was just in Puerto Rico and I think there are about three or four different different ideas going across the island. There's an idea of grace uh, that we're living in super, super, super grace time. We don't even need the Gospels. uh, And thank God for just a little bit of Paul because Paul tells us uh, that this is the era of grace. Uh, Old Testament, bury it. It's over. You don't need it. And this is on the radios. This is on TV. And I I just, you know, my stomach churns like, like, you know, uh, like making butter. And I say to myself, God, please help us. And then there are other things uh, uh, where men have become the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, where a dynasty has been set up and given down. uh, And then you look at the congregation, doctors, lawyers, uh, important people. uh, And now it's spread out like around the world. And Joe said something to me the other day, and I thought it was interesting. Or somebody said it to us. Why do these cockamania things take off? They take off because there's the absence of the Holy Spirit. They take off because sometimes people are hell-bent on getting their own way, 
Sometimes they take off with just Satan's project, just what Satan wants to do on the face of the earth. I've got to tell you something, folks. You got to stay close to this book. You got to stay close to the truth of the word of God. The work of the Holy Spirit is to convince sinners of their sin. I don't want to convince sinners. I want to love sinners. I want to be gracious with sinners. I want to walk close to sinners. I want to be able to extend my hand of fellowship, friendship, and anything else that I have. I want to be able to tell them that God has loved me in such a way that I'm a happy person today because of his love. And, and, and they should know by that that if they're hungry for love, God will love them. Folks, we've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a Holy Spirit that moves in our lives since the moment you believed. It's called the, the what shall we say, the, the anointing, yes, but better yet, no one can call Jesus Lord but by the Holy Spirit. So the entrance of Jesus into your life, that entrance, the opening of your heart, that opening was worked on and worked in your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. So everyone that has believed in Jesus has the Holy Spirit. So don't anybody think here you don't have the Holy Spirit. You believed in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. Now when Jesus was his disciples, he said that to them. And for three times in the scripture, he blew the Holy Spirit on them when he was with them. But then he said to them, now I am leaving, you are staying, and I'll tell you about a permanent infilling. You are to go and wait on me and stay together and I will send the Holy Ghost. And on the day of Pentecost, the fulfilling of 10 days, it's 50 days from Calvary, 10 days that they were up there together. And the scripture says, a mighty wind, a mighty rushing wind came in. I love that. Because two Tuesdays ago, we had a mighty rushing wind in our, in our Tuesday prayer. If you were keen, if you were attuned, if you knew, you sensed the moment. Uh, the Holy Spirit just whizzed through us. Uh, and a young lady said, I saw something like a tornado. The only thing is, it wasn't black and circular. It was white and beautiful. And it reached all the way up to the pulpit. Oh, my. I want to tell you something. We felt the presence of the Lord. It was so rich. People were healed. People were filled with the Holy Ghost. And so I tell you today that we need an infilling. Here every day from 1 to 2 there is prayer. And I thank God because he's kind of given us, not kind of, he's given us a prayer captain. And that's Keith who's here every day at 1. And uh, whoever from the office can't come down does come down. Join us. Especially now that we're seeking a building. Especially now that we want to reach the neighborhood uh, Mary Jane came on the bus yesterday, and it was so interesting. She said she got off the bus there, and it was only 8 o'clock. She says, and there were 140, about 140 Jehovah Witnesses, all lined up, ready to hit this whole neighborhood from one end to another. We were going out to their quarters, going out to their corners. And I thought to myself, oh, God, help us. When will we be ready to hit the corners? Anybody ready now? Okay, thank you, thank you. Yeah, hit the corners. Just stand there with a smile on your face and give literature. And we won't even sell the book. We'll give it to them. Hey, I got news for you. We've got a lot to learn. The Holy Spirit is moving in his church. And the power of the Holy Ghost is what's going to convince sinners of their sin. And we must be filled. Folks, ask God. 
He'll fill you at home. He'll fill you on the job. You're, oh, sister, on the job, I'd be scared to death. No, you won't. Nobody will know what's happening. They'll think you got a new melody tune. Well, well what, have we got, what have we got out now? Yabba dabba doo? <laughs> hey, come on. Yeah, I'm dead serious, folks. When I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I had just three little syllables that I just marched with in great glory and in great praise. And then there came a day when God just filled the rest of the vessel. I want you to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I want you to be a wise people in God. I want you to be strong in the Lord. I want you to have power against sin. I want you to have the ability to pray in the Holy Spirit. I want you to be able to bring down the fortresses of the enemy. I want you to be able to reach people without hurting them or interfering with them. But in the power of intercession where the Holy Spirit reaches into the hearts and lives of people, I want Crossroads to be a Holy Ghost filled place uh, where whoever comes in uh, may be enthralled or made like or maybe dislike us who cares but that the Holy Spirit is here to talk to them and to love them and to tell them what God told us I'll never leave you I'll never forsake you I'll be with you till the end of time and the Spirit reconfirms it to us today say amen, amen.